Hello, and welcome to a show of their own, Sports and Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. And I'm Laura. And once again, we have a lot to cover this week. There's a lot of excitement. I guess we'll start. Uh, maybe what we'll do is we'll do the NHL second round results, MLB trade deadline, and then a prediction at the end. We'll end with a prediction, of course, Phantom Rates. So um, I thought we should start with the one that was most impactful to Morgan, the Dallas Stars in their game seven one and are going to the conference uh, finals. So that is really exciting. And on top of that, so Andrew Cogliano, who's kind of known as a bit of an Iron Man and only had the streak broken up because of a suspension that I thought was a little dumb, quite frankly, but he was hurt so he couldn't play. And his sub was Yoel Kiviranta, who just so happened to have a hat trick <laughs> the game-winning overtime goal. So... Yeah, and he, he tied the game to make it go to overtime and then won the game. And the time goal was awesome, too, because they had – so it was tied late in the third. Colorado scores. You're like, ugh, is this it? And then, like, 10 seconds after Colorado scores, there's Yoel Kivirianta, and it's all tied up, and it was so amazing. Amazing is one word for it. I was <laughs> – like just I, I was prepared for disappointment because it's the stars, it's game seven, and it went to overtime. I was like, I have seen this before. I know it's gonna happen. And like while I was prepared for it, I like obviously it's still gonna hurt. And especially like they had a three one lead in the series and going to game seven, it just feels like okay, it's not clearly not meant for the stars. Colorado is just gonna kill us. And I was like prepared for it, but then each time they tied it, I was like, okay, maybe, but do I want, do I want it? Like I, I started questioning myself because I was like, okay, well, at least if they don't make it, then I no longer have to hear about Giriana of not getting enough ice time and I don't have to pay attention to that. So maybe it's okay. But then like they tied it, it was going to overtime. I was like, well, at least if they score first, I don't have to worry about Colorado going and scoring 10 seconds later to tie it because that's what happened throughout the whole game it felt like um but when they won I literally screamed out of shock to the point where my dog Murphy it was sleeping next to me and jolted straight up and just stared at me like are you okay are you and I, I even had a question I don't know and it took like maybe 10 minutes for it to like really hit and sports are so freaking weird that like 20 minutes later, I was like, wow, I could actually cry. Like, it wasn't even the Stanley Cup win, but, like, I could cry. <laughs> it was the thing about o playoff OT, um, it's the best when your team isn't in it. Yes. Because it's so exhilarating. Like, every possession is so important. And so you're just, like, it's so cool to watch. But when your team's in it, it's just, like, since every possession is so important, Whenever your team doesn't have the puck, you're like, oh, no. What is yeah. This? Oh, that that whole game was like that, even. Like, even before overtime, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be a goal. This is going to be a goal. And it's going to uh. – I was honestly just waiting for Colorado to just, like, run away with it. I was like, they're going to just score three goals in a row, and it's just going to be done. Now, I do have to give a shout-out to Colorado because dealing with 
um, the goalie situation that they had Mm -hmm. where they lost their backup, Pavel Francouz. They'd already lost their starter. And so they had to play Michael Hutchison, which Leafs fans know is not an ideal circumstance. Um, And they won a couple games with him, but I don't necessarily, I would never say they won because of him because Mm -hmm. like if I, I always thought that, Hudobin was a goaltending advantage, but Hudobin versus Hutchinson, like, that's a pretty big goaltending advantage. And I think that's why, like, going to game seven, I was so, like, frustrated and just, like, probably the most down I've been on the Stars because, again, they had a 3-1 lead in the series, and then you're playing Hutchinson, and it's like, you can't take advantage of that in the previous two games. Yeah, and we're going to talk about Vegas, Vancouver after this, and I think that's a different situation where a goalie had to come in. If if mm-hmm. Hutchinson came in and was, like, God mode, then he'd be like, well, that's kind of dumb luck because he's yeah. not that great of a goalie, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But when he comes in and it's like, okay, it's a significant disadvantage that Colorado has yeah. in that, it's like you got to capitalize on that. So it is good that they ultimately ended up winning. The thing I'm curious about is, that, even bonus, there is no way you can scratch Kiviranta after a hat trick. Oh, like, yeah. I'm, fairly, I'm fairly certain Jim Neal would, like, actually just go down there and murder him if that happened or something, because you can't do that. So who gets scratched? Yeah, because – so they just did their media. We're recording this mm-hmm. Sunday before the game. Um, and, like, Cogliano and Yanmark are both game-time decisions. So mm-hmm. if they don't play, then that's good. Then you don't really have to worry about, like, mm-hmm. him not playing. But, like, if they are okay to play, which okay to play in our eyes, it's not the same thing as bonuses eyes, which game five proved that, which I'm, that's going to be my rant. I'm going to save that for my rant because I'm going to go off on game five. Um, so honestly, I, I, I kind of want Yanmark to be unfit to play and not that I want him to be hurt. I just think that he's played a lot and I would not be surprised if he is injured and can't play. So like, better safe than sorry kind of situation and it's game one of a series so I'm like give him a little time like if it was game seven I'd be like well if we if we absolutely need him then put him in even if he's hurt but like game one two I'm kind of like it's more like okay if they need a little rest then that's fine because it's the beginning of the series that makes sense yeah, but it, it is definitely, like, even if he doesn't have an amazing game, Kiviranta, I think, should get a bit pretty big leash. Even beyond just yeah. how he played that one game, he's a, I think he's pretty, a pretty, really quite talented young player, which is amazing considering he was undrafted. So, credit to Jim Nill on that. I don't know right? how they pulled that one out, but that's pretty awesome. Um, I also want to mention his post-game interview when he, when he was like I hope I get to play more that was just so like like if it was any other team I'd be like oh that's so cute he's he's definitely gonna play more but then like knowing it's Rick Bonus I'm like please let him play like he's he looks like a little sad puppy that doesn't think he's gonna get to play after a hat trick I did like to uh so obviously every team has like some something that they hand around yeah post game and Dallas has the chain and the last owner of the chain was uh What's his name? Robey? 
Group of hints. Duh. Okay, I can't think of Sunday. But um, <laughs> it was so cool because there's like two fins handing it off. It was so cool. I also loved what he said because he kind of um, seemed like he wasn't really sure what to say like after getting it. <laughs> but the thing he said is, we're not going home. And I was like, that's so precious. <laughs> and um, I really did appreciate like Jamie Venn did the slow clap for I know. them to come in. That was the happiest I have ever seen Jamie Venn. And, and it's so cool too because bonus is bonus but you can mm-hmm. tell like there's a good leadership group around the team yeah. like on the team national players to like make them feel good and all that kind of stuff it was it's so cool yeah so anyways I guess we should stop gushing for it <laughs> and go on to Vegas Vancouver now I have to set the stage for this a little bit Thatcher Demko oh my goodness gracious like so Jacob Markstrom who should be like the Vezina winner for this year. He's not going to be because the statistics they use are dumb, but like he's so, so good. And his team wasn't like, he, he's the single reason that Vancouver kind of survived this season and all of that. Well, he gets hurt. And so they have Thatcher Demko, who's been his backup and consistently a little worse than him. And that was not the case because, oh, my God, Thatcher Demko went full on. We call, uh, there's a name for it in hockey. It's called getting halocked because um, Yaroslav Halak, I think he was playing for the Capitals one year against the Canadians or the Canadians against the Capitals. It was one of those. And he just – it was the Canadians versus the Capitals. All of a sudden decided he was going to be full on amazing. And, like, a team that had no business going anywhere went to, like, the conference finals. Uh, just because, and they would consistently get outplayed. And that was the thing. Uh, Vancouver forced game seven by winning two games in a row. Both of the games, Vegas shot the, outshot them like four to one in this shooting advantage and just looked so much better. And Thatcher Demko was just like, you're just never scoring a goal. You're just, that's not going to happen. Sorry. And he was doing the same thing this game. Like mm-hmm. Vegas was outplaying Vancouver and Demko was like, you're not scoring, you're not scoring. But credit to Pete DeBoer. One, I give him credit. After losing two games, a lot of people wanted Flurry to play. And yeah. if you look at all of the statistics, they didn't lose because of Robin Leonard, and the statistics would tell you to play your better goalie, shockingly. So <laughs> he went with that. And I think that's a, it's a tough decision that if they had lost, would have he would have taken heat for that. But it was the right decision, and so I really commend him for that. And the other thing, they got a, a – power play late in the game and their first power play a good chunk of their players had been out on the ice for a bit and so he takes a timeout to get them rest and to kind of scheme up some stuff and they score within five seconds and that was the like one goal that they scored on Demko that game and then they got two empty net so he his good coaching kind of won them uh that game seven and I heard I think it was Maybe the first coach ever, or maybe second coach ever. Uh, he has gone five and zero in his first games in his first five game sevens. Peter DeBoer has, which is absolutely insane. Wow! So that's a pretty pretty interesting stat I saw. So that's I, I Vancouver's a good team. Mm-hmm. The thing that just is hamstringing them is they they have bad contracts. They have great drafting. Quinn Hughes 
absolutely outstanding. Elias Pedersen, absolutely outstanding. Like, great draft. They have good drafting. And then they signed, like, Jay Beagle, who's their fourth-line center, to $3 million. And they have Tyler Myers, they signed to, who's their third-pairing defenseman, $6 million per for, like, the next six or seven years. And so it's like they have – there's in such a cap crunch that they can't really improve in the areas that they need to improve, but they have all that talent there that I think they're still going to be a threat. It's just, I don't know if they can have that improvement. Like whereas Dallas signed Joe Pavelski and that's made a big difference. I, I don't know that Vancouver could do something like that. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, it has to be internal. I will say I picked Vegas in my bracket, although I did not want the Stars play Vegas, although I also picked Colorado in my bracket. That was more of a superstition Mm -hmm. pick, but also Rick Bonus is the head coach of the Stars, so I wasn't going to pick the Stars, which, by the way, was the only thing that ruined my bracket. I had everything right except I had Colorado, which... But you're fine with. (laughs) I'm fine with. Part of me is a little bitter because I was like, Stars, if you would have just won it in five, then I would have had that whole series wrong and it would have been fine. But the fact that I had the games right (laughs) for every series. Anyway, but I I was so torn by game seven of Vegas and Vancouver because I... Vegas felt like the better team, but I didn't want the Stars to end up playing Vegas. However... I really wanted Jordy Ben to be able to go home to his daughter because he was posting stuff on his Insta stories like of his cute little daughter telling her not to keep growing and that just broke my heart. So I was like, I kind of want Vancouver to lose just so he can go home and see his daughter. And I think, honestly, Vegas might be the team on paper that's more talented. I would want nothing to do with that Demco smoke. Like, yeah. Vegas has, or Dallas has all of a sudden become an offensive team. Who knew that that could even, like, <laughs> who knew they could score that many goals? Who knew that was allowed? I wouldn't want to test that against Thatcher Demko. Yeah. It just seems like a recipe for not good things. So I think in some ways, while on paper Vegas would be the team you wouldn't want to play, there is something weird about what was going on in Vancouver that I wouldn't necessarily want to play that either. Yeah, that's true. I think Vegas just scares me more of because they seem to just get an onslaught of goals out of almost nowhere, and they did it to the Stars in the uh, round robin. And so, to me, I just feel like kind of skating-wise, the Stars are going to have trouble keeping up with them. And I would say that they have the firepower of Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, William Carlson, all of that kind of stuff is there's a lot there to that team. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like on paper, Vegas is the better team. So I yeah. Yeah, obvious I think that's that'll be interesting, but that's for later in the show. <laughs> um the the last one happened last night. It was New York Islanders versus the Philadelphia Flyers. And the interesting thing is Philadelphia won all three of their games in this series in overtime. And they just didn't have it this game. This was the one game seven that just didn't. Like Vegas, Vancouver, Dallas, Colorado, all were just amazing games. This was very not that. Yeah. New York just dominated. Thomas Grice gets a shutout. Like New York. the Flyers didn't even look there. They weren't getting any zone time. They couldn't do anything. 
it's it's really interesting because again on paper and this is always the case with the islanders on paper you always think they're the worst team compared to the team they're playing to but barry trotz man i'll tell you i don't know why washington didn't want to pay him after he won them a stanley cup they wanted him to take that team option which was like way undervalued for him and he's like no i'll go to new york where they'll pay me actual money and he's coaching can make a big difference as we see with the islanders and so it's it's absolutely amazing to see them matt barzell is like the offensive threat they have like if you look at their possession statistics and stuff it kind of all runs through matt barzell he's amazing and also somehow getting super beat up i feel in warm-ups in they show it in warm-ups uh and okay there was no goalie in their net in warm-ups. And one of the players shoots the ball and shoots the puck off the iron, hits him in the head. Took his helmet but off. But how do you shoot the puck off the iron when there's no goalie in warm-ups? I'm just like, what are you doing? And, and then he gets, like, I, I think he got a stick to the face. Mm-hmm. Poor guy is just absolutely battered. But he's, he's fighting through it, and he, he's amazing. Yeah, he's been fun to watch because, I mean, I don't really watch – I don't really watch the Islanders during the regular season. Couldn't tell you what they did. Matt Barzell's probably the only person I could name on that team, but they've been fun to watch. So this is kind of cool. Two years ago in the All-Star game, um, Todd Reardon was the head coach, and he's the Capitals head coach, and it's, you know, three-on-three three for All-Star. Mm-hmm. And the Penguins sent – Sidney Crosby and Chris Letang. So, of course, he made them two of one grouping of three, and he added Matt Barzell as the third. So cool to watch. Matt Barzell is just so talented. I really wish that there's just a little more offensive talent around them because he deserves it. And, I mean, like Jordan Eberle is pretty good and stuff, and that trade with Edmonton, Edmonton absolutely got ripped off. But – I just it would be interesting to if, to see him with like a little more too, a little more help around him. So that would be interesting to see. And also I have to point out John Tavares, and I don't blame him because this was before Barry Trotz was the head coach. Although he knew Barry Trotz was going to be the head coach, left as a free agent from New York, signed with Toronto, and then New York was like sputtering for many years. And then all of a sudden they lose like their best player and are like made the playoffs two years since then which is baffling but it's it's the coach I tell you the like I, who even knows because their defense was horrible and Barry Trotz brings in a good defensive system and all of a sudden they're really good and it's like the personnel didn't change that much he just has a really good strategy like he is kind of widely regarded as the single best defensive scheming coach in the NHL, which is, is pretty amazing. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how they do in the conference final. I'm, I'm really impressed. Mm-hmm. So next, um, it was the MLB trade deadline, and I'm going to turn it over to Morgan to give us some of the, the breakdown of what happened. Yeah, so it was an interesting trade deadline. I wouldn't say there were any, like, blockbuster trades there were just like the Padres got I think made like nine trades I mean and none of them were like huge though so I think it was more surprising in like the teams that were making trades and how many 
So, um, first of all, my team did not trade the player that everyone thought they were going to trade. Everyone thought they were going to trade Lance Lynn, who was their ace starting pitcher. He was great last year, too. Um, he's probably, he was the guy on the team that had the most um, – they would get the most for him. They didn't trade him. Um, also, he has another year on his contract, so that was another reason everyone was like, oh, he's going to be traded and they'll get a lot. But the Rangers apparently weren't impressed by what they – were offered so they didn't trade him instead they traded Mike Miner who it's frustrating because Mike Miner should have been traded last year even though I would have been disappointed because we wouldn't have gotten our petty moment at the end of the season from him but he was more valuable last year they traded him this year they also traded their catcher Robinson Trinos who's my favorite catcher and I was so mad because we finally got him back this year and then we traded him to the Mets and then they also traded Todd Frazier to the Mets. I don't even know what we've gotten back from them. Which is hilarious. The Todd Frazier trade is hilarious because he, he signed in free agency with the Mets a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And the Mets fans did not really like him that much, at least the ones I hear from. Yeah. So, like, they were like, are you serious? <laughs> and they do this all the time when they bring back their mediocre players. <laughs> very and Mets. That move was a very Mets move. It was very Mets. And the thing, so Ranger fans specifically know the trade deadline is at 3 p.m. Central. You don't celebrate or take a breath of relief until around 3.30-ish. That's when you're safe because, yes, the deadline ends at 3, but you still get reports of the trades afterwards. The Todd Frazier and Robinson Trinos trade was announced 10 minutes afterwards. I was still hurt by it, mostly the Trinos part of the trade, because he's been injured, so he hasn't been as good this year, but he's one of my absolute favorite players, and then we traded him. So then a lot of, because I follow the Rangers, a lot of what I saw was frustration with the Rangers because they should be in a full rebuild right now, but they hover around the line of like, We're not in a full rebuild, but we're also not great. They're in third place in the majors right now. Not third. Third from the bottom, not third place. This is is the thing, too, though, with how they did it this year, because it's 24 teams in the playoffs or something insane like that. Is it? It's – is it 24? I I thought I heard it's something insane. To the point where – 16? But however many, it's to the point where, like – Almost every team is like, well, if we win a few games, we can make it. It's like, yeah, but you don't want to make it as, like, one of those extra teams. And you, yeah. you want to, like, you want to either make it or don't. But don't yeah. be in the middle. The Rangers, though, are, like, awful. And they should be in full rebuild. But they won't outright say it, which is frustrating. I get Um But they <laughs> – So uh, I was reading Ken Rosenthal's article about the trade deadline um, and took a whole page of notes. But at the bottom, he talked about how um, this is the fourth straight year the Rangers left themselves open to criticism. So in 2017, they traded you Darvish to the Dodgers. And they essentially lost that trade. They got um, Willie Calhoun, who's been great but injured last year. He's been injured all this season. Last season, it should have been his breakout season, but we didn't bring him, we didn't start him in the majors. We started him in AAA. 
and two other players, I think they're both gone. One ended up in another trade, and one, I don't know where he is. I'm pretty sure he's gone. So we lost that trade. 2018, we traded Cole Hamels. Couldn't even tell you what we got for him. I think they're gone too, but we lost that trade. Because at that point, at the time we traded him, he wasn't that valuable. But the Rangers were still trying to hold on. Last year, I don't think we made any trades last year. Again, like I mentioned, Mike Miner should have been traded. So then this year, kind of the same thing. And it sounds like they didn't want to trade Lance Lynn because the prospects that they were offered weren't that, weren't that great. But honestly, any prospect they can get is an upgrade. Their farm system is ranked 24th out of 30 by Baseball America. It's not great. We kind of need prospects. Although I am kind of happy we still have Lance Lynn, and I am happy we have Joey Gallo because those were the two guys on the trading block. And I understand that maybe – they weren't happy with it because I imagine they weren't going to get much considering like the biggest name pitcher that was traded was Mike Clevenger from the Indians. And I don't think so they if got you much recognize that name is one of the ones who definitely broke protocol. Yeah. Um, and I think he has one more year on his contract, but what they got from like the Rangers weren't thrilled to, with that transaction. So they saw that and were kind of like, well, we're not, cause there were calls about Lance Lynn. Don't know what they were offered, but apparently they didn't love it. Um, it'll be interesting because there were a lot of teams that are in, like, the top of their division or in a very solid spot for the wild card that didn't make any trades. The Yankees didn't do anything. Dodgers didn't do anything. Astros didn't do anything. The Yankees have been sputtering a bit, though. The who? The Yankees. Yeah. Which is why everyone was surprised that they didn't make a move because they thought they would at least do something to kind of pad the injuries that they've had. Um, Twins didn't do anything. White Sox didn't do anything. And Tampa didn't do anything. And And they're all right there. The thing that's tough, too, is because of uncertainty about future seasons and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, they give the NHL this. They've all but said, and I'm pretty sure they have actually said to the teams, we are having a flat salary cap. It's not going down. It's not going up. It is exactly what it is this year. So teams can make trades, can do all of that because they know what they're getting. The MLB is still very up in the air about what they're doing with stuff and mm-hmm. like and revenues and all of that kind of stuff. And so teams, it just seems like don't want to commit too much to anything at this point. And I, I think I said the Padres made nine trades. They made five trades there was a nine-player exchange between them and Cleveland. And then they also had a seven-player exchange with Seattle for their catcher. I don't know if they got just the catcher and then they sent six players there. Seems like excessive. Um, And then the Blue Jays, I feel like, were the surprise, for me at least, of how many trades they made. Because I don't have MLB Network anymore, which I'm realizing is where I got a lot of information about other teams and kept up with them. So I didn't realize the Blue Jays were, like, in the playoff race. Um, And they got five players and, like, pretty well-known. At least, like, their names are recognizable players. Um, So that was, like, the most surprising trade to me. Like, the Padres making trades made sense. Um... Cleveland kind of going into full rebuild was more of a surprise, I guess, because I'm surprised that they're admitting to a rebuild, whereas the Rangers still aren't. And yeah, the A's got Listella and Minor, which I didn't really expect them to make a lot of trade 
trades because they'd been good without the trades. So they didn't really, it didn't really feel like they needed to make any trades, whereas like the Yankees probably should have. For sure. I did want to point out because you brought his name up. Mm -hmm. um, I was watching baseball with my mom the other day and you Darvish moved into the best ERA in I believe the National League. He, it might have since changed because it was all very close, but just shout out to you, Darvish, for, like, being amazing. Always shout out to you, Darvish. <laughs> Always welcome on the show. Um, <laughs> the one other thing I wanted to just kind of, I forgot to mention in the hockey review of what mm -hmm. had happened, Oscar Lindblom. Yes. So, the Flyers lost. They're out of the playoffs, obviously, but in the last two games, game six and seven, Oscar Limbaum, who had, was diagnosed in the season with Ewing sarcoma, um, had treatment, finished up treatment like a couple month or two ago, and then like has worked really hard. He got to play two games, which is absolutely unbelievable. And obviously we're in September now. He never would have gotten to play those games, not for the pandemic, not saying that that's a great thing that we had a pandemic for but it is right. it's nice to have those cool stories of mm -hmm. people getting a chance at redemption and getting a chance to kind of be that cool story and um I know for both teams and just for everyone involved it was it was a really cool thing and he looked good if yeah. he he was he was go he was doing well he did not look like oh they're just throwing him in there it didn't look like this like this is gonna sound mean, but it didn't look like make a wish kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's like oh like let's a just, pity kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like he looked like and they had him on the fourth line, which I thought was good because he shouldn't play. Although I thought this was funny. In the the game that they won in the second overtime, obviously because they had to play so much extra, everyone had to play longer minutes. He hit like seventeen minutes and thirty some seconds, which just thinking about big bonus. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking, like, oh, my God, he has, he, like, and I know it was in double overtime, but still, there was no yeah. chance. Um, like, would, would Gurionov hit 17 minutes if the game went double overtime? Maybe not. Right. So, that was, I thought that was interesting. But with that, I thought it would be good to go on to our conference final prediction. Mm -hmm. So, we'll start with the East. Uh, Tampa Bay versus the Islanders. Um, I've got the Islanders all along. And that's not changing. Uh, Tampa Bay is really amazing. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky, really good goalie. Victor Hedman, really good puck-moving defenseman. Nikita Kucherov. It, this one's going to be cool. I think the story of this, this though, is Braden Point, who is an absolutely stellar young center for the Tampa Bay Lightning, versus Matt Barzell, who is an absolutely stellar young center for the New York Islanders. I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to see. Um, some low key, someone to keep an eye out for is, um, uh, Blake Coleman, who was an acquisition they got, uh, T uh, Tampa Bay got from New Jersey. He has been really good. He's really tough. That line has a really great identity because they do really physical. It's their third line, very physical stuff like that, but they, have skill it's not just like fourth line grind it's it's a real skill line so I, I I'm I'm picking Tampa Bay just because they're so talented and they seem to have overcome some of the psychological stuff from last year but it's I think it's going to be a good series I would pick them in like maybe six or seven games um I 
had a lot I kept going back and forth on these teams and a lot of it was because the Islanders went seven games Tampa Bay is coming into this with a week off and I think both of those could lend itself to a longer series um maybe Tampa finding its legs, the Islanders fighting fatigue, but also I can see them just powering through the first few games and then maybe the fatigue hits them later on in the series. Um, I picked this series going in seven games just because it's mostly because I'm unsure about who's going to win. So that's just when I go seven games because let's see what happens. Um, But also that rest versus fatigue kind of thing. I picked the Islanders just because I like them more. Um, and I, I've all, I'm always curious to see how that rest is going to go because sometimes you're like, okay, a week rest, that's probably good for them. But then also it's like a week rest. Is that great if they're going up against a team who only has a day off? Well, and that was the thing we saw last playoffs. So um, Columbus swept – no, that was there was one there was but there was like a, a round where it was like every mm-hmm. other team swept. Yeah, and they beat the they got beat the very next round. Yeah, so like Carolina swept New York after New York swept the Penguins. That's what it was. I was like, what was it? New York swept the Penguins and then immediately proceeded to get swept by Carolina, who went seven yeah. games. So it is kind of this. There is some weird stuff with rest versus rest kind of yeah. thing. Um, yeah, I think that this is, I think both series are going to be amazing. Yeah. So the, the next one, obviously, is Vegas-Dallas. And I, I have to pick Vegas because I picked against Dallas the whole time. And I feel like if I picked Dallas in this one, you would not be happy with me. So Steve Dangle threatened to do that because Dallas keeps putting him predicting against them in their videos. And so he's like, I'm just going to do this to fight. <laughs> Did you see he's going to, he was like, should I get a Sagan or a Dickinson jersey? I was like, neither. Don't hurt me. And he has, because he did this like hockey ping pong tournament and the the celebrity he was on a team with was Dickinson. So that's Mm -hmm. pretty interesting. But yeah, I'm going with Vegas. Um, It'll be interesting though, because there's a lot of good mashup. I think seven is not an unfair prediction just because I think there's so much talent and now that Dallas has proven not just one fluky game but has proven that they have offensive firepower in the playoffs which we didn't know that they had that all season (laughs) long so now that they've shown that they have that I think it could be really interesting yeah and I picked Vegas as well I picked them in six um obviously out of superstition because I've gone against the stars as well also I just went six just because I could see the stars getting like two games early and then just Vegas just wiping them out just based on how they've played the last couple series and I don't know part of me wonders if like because of how good or how far the stars made it if bonus is just gonna keep being bonus and not playing like Kirianov and Hints and all of them the appropriate amount of ice Welcome time be like see it's working that club <sighs> Even in the media today, he didn't even, like, outright say, yeah, he's going to play. He goes, I'd bet on that. And even to me, I'm like, Rick, play the kid. Just say you're going to play him. I, I, I would bet good money he is going to play him. Because, like I said, I'm pretty sure Jim Neal 
might actually come down there and like stab him if it didn't. Oh, I think he'll play, but I think he'll be like Lois Ice Time. I okay. How cool would it be? Because Hints can be a center. How co- interesting and cool would it be if we had Guriano, Hints, Kibiranta? No, none of them get fifteen minutes. <laughs> that would never get played. <laughs> Bonus hates that, but like the young guns, kind of fun thing. Like that could be really cool if Bonus wasn't the coach. Yeah, them and then Miro, all on the ice at the same time would be so much fun. Well, and that would be three fins. Mm-hmm. That would be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, if you haven't, you have to check out the finish call of Kiviranta. I did. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was amazing. And, okay, pardon my language, but this is apparently, I looked on Reddit, because there's a lot of fins on Hockey Reddit, uh-huh. direct translation of something that was said in that call, jo- Yoel fucking Kiviranta. I and love it. And Okay, and it was like 2 a.m. when that happened. It's like, okay, one huge moment for the country of Finland. Two, yeah. it's 2 a.m. There's no way he can get fined. Yeah. So. And at one point, he went so high-pitched. I was like, oh, that's me. That's exactly how I sounded. So, yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. Um, and, yeah, I'm kind of excited. It'll be really cool because the schedule, now that there's only two series left, I think mm-hmm. it's just going to go every other day. Yeah. Which will be really cool. No more back-to-back. Which I'm, I'm really, I'm really good with no more back to back. Back to back in playoffs is weird. And then also, so we're, I think we're fully done with like the weird times. Like if it's a day game, it will be like on a weekend or Labor Day or something like that, but not like on a Wednesday. I think yeah. I saw that all the stars in Vegas games are seven o'clock, and then maybe there's like one eight o'clock for the later. But games. it's all like prime time. Yeah. It's all 7 o'clock, and then if there's a game 7, that one's at 8 p.m., but it's all 7 p.m. Thank God. I was so tired of 9.30 games. So, yeah, now that everything has kind of we're, – we're down to the final four, we can have good start times and really interesting stuff. So I'm, I'm excited for that. So with that, I think it's time for Rant and Rave. And I promised I would go first, mm-hmm. and I just need to rant – the Arizona Coyotes because it's like they don't want to have a team (laughs) because they do all of this random stuff and it's like why are you doing that why like they did the um illegal training thing that cost them draft picks and all that and then news comes out this week that legitimately like with a straight face one of the GM candidates they're considering is Pierre Maguire what what Pierre McGuire, when he has been a general manager, when he has been a head coach, has not been good. He has, like, no good results. And there's, like, stories and all of these things recounting it. No. Like, and also you can pick outside of the, top, like, 100 hockey men. Like, next they're going to say Milbury is legitimately a consideration. Like, do you, do you want to win? Do you want to, like, still have a team? So, like, maybe pick someone who isn't actually the worst. This is, feels like a dumb question, but I think it's because Arizona is so dumb that this feels dumb. Pierre McGuire is the NBC guy. Yep. Yep. He's the guy who always says, like, oh, so-and-so, and this is their junior team, and they this coached by this person, and he always has to prove how much he knows. Yeah. No. Should not be. Put it this way. Florida for a while was considering Peter Shirelli ended up picking someone way better, which is a good thing. 
Peter Shirelli and all of his dumb trades, including that Tyler Sagan trade, which is hysterical because none of the people traded for Tyler Sagan are in the, the NHL right now. Mm-hmm. So that guy would be a better pick than Pierre Maguire. Now I kind of want to, want them to pick him just, <laughs> just to, to see, see the, the chaos. Yeah. yeah, I think at some point Arizona might get moved. Cause, so with Seattle coming in, the, mm-hmm. the one place there was a, a, an opening for a team in, in the division was the Central Division. But clearly Seattle's not in the Central. Clearly they're in um, the Pacific. Mm-hmm. So they're going to the Pacific and Arizona's moving over to the Central when they get a team however there's some thought because it's been like there's been some research done and prepare yourself (laughs) there's some thought that eventually if Arizona just continues to not work out it could move to Houston which okay I know you wouldn't like that however like rivalry game it would be some fun yeah that would be fun like Jamie Benn versus the Houston team and like he, him and uh, Arizona, like their the last regular season game they had, there was a little like mm-hmm. beef between those. Like, okay, I I could be okay with it. So not for sure. And if if Houston just like actually tries and like has fans at the game, those would be improvements. Yeah. So so in, interesting stuff. Obviously, it's way off. But that was my rant. Do you have the rant you want to share? Oh yes. Game five, the Ben Bishop decision. Now, I realize how bitchy this is going to sound because they won the series, so really it shouldn't matter anymore. But I didn't get to complain about it at the time, so I'm going to do it now because it just further proves how Rick Bona should not be the head coach. I know it's interim coach, whatever. He's still the head coach right now. And I just don't love that, like, he tried to throw Ben Bishop under the bus after the game. Oh, he told us he was fine, so we let him play. It's like, you're the head coach, you make the final decision. Just because the player says he's fine doesn't mean you have to play him. Just because trainers say, oh, yeah, he could play this game, you don't have to let him play. And then, like, the next game, he's unfit to play. The game after that, he's unfit to play. He was unfit to play eight hours before game five, and then suddenly he's fine to play. Like, how does that tell you that he's fine? And then the whole point was to, like, give Hudobin a day off. But Hudobin was the backup that game? That makes no sense. And then it was, I didn't want to put in, um, I always forget his name. The the young kid, that's the... The Ottinger? Yes. I I didn't want to throw him in there. Well, if he's going to be the backup, you have to throw him in at some point. Why not that game? I mean, that game was a win... That was an in-series for the Stars if they won, but if the other team won, it wouldn't have mattered. It is. I, I was thinking about this, to your point about the injury thing, because what happened just this past week for the Cubs, Ian Happ, who's been doing amazing, and their leadoff hitter had been absolutely fantastic, he fouled the ball, and it went like right straight down mm-hmm. on the ground, but as a result of his follow-through, he was like looking down, so it hit off his like right eye. And obviously right away, he's like freaking out. And the manager, David Ross, who's pretty young, like runs out and is looking at him and all of that. Well, they started calming down and stuff and the trainer and everything. And then Ian Happ starts going, oh, I'm fine. Like, I'm, I can play. I'm fine. I'm fine. And David Ross is like, no, I'm taking you out. Like, 
end of discussion and he ended it ended up just being a bruise above his eye which is incredibly lucky like no concussion no anything but he was just like I'm not taking the chance and he's the coach so and he's the manager so he gets to make the decision and this guy is like probably half of Rick Bonus's age like you're the head coach you make the decision and then it's also like okay so you didn't want to make Ottinger the backup for Bishop but he can be the backup all the other games for Dobie and it's fine it, it makes no sense and then after I don't know if it was after I think it was after game six because that's when they were announced he was unfit to play and then all the beats were like well, then why did he play game five? So he was asked about it after game six. Um, Saad Youssef has the whole quote. I only got through like the first sentence of the quote because it just irritated me to no end. Um, Saad asked if Ben Bishop's return to ice in game five might have been rushed given he allowed four goals in the first 15 minutes and then was unfit for game six and then subsequently game seven. And his answer, I'm only going to read the first sentence because the first sentence is all you need to know about how stupid this is. Um, Rick says, it wasn't rushed. You're trying to make a story out of it. It's not a story. It turned into a story the moment you decided Ben Bishop was fit to play, regardless of the outcome of the game. If he won, it's a freaking great story. If he lost, that's obviously a story too. No one is trying to make it into a story. It already is a story. And that just made me so mad. As a fan of the stars, as a journalist, like every, like, it's a story because Ben Bishop until that game hadn't played for almost two and a half weeks. And as far as I saw, never went to practice. I think he skated once, but that's not practice. So, and he didn't skate the day of game five. So you just threw him out there, which also, even if Ben Bishop came up and said, I'm fine, let me play, which it's kind of a thing a lot of athletes do, like, when they know it's a game that they can clinch and go to the next round. Like, obviously, all the guys are like, I'm good. I want to play. Let me play in this game. I can do it. I don't blame Ben Bishop for that game. Blame Rick Bonus because also it's unfair. Even if Ben Bishop is saying he can play, it's unfair to put him in there. And then, like, after two goals, I would have pulled him just being like, he clearly doesn't have it. Let him give up four goals. Really? Like, it took you that many goals to be like, you know what? He was wrong. He didn't have it tonight. Now I should have known better. Well, okay. Back to the baseball comparison. How many pitchers try to plead their case of like, let me stay in, let me stay in. I'm fine. I'm fine. Be it injury, be it they just don't look like they have it anymore. And managers, a lot of the time, occasionally they get convinced, but a lot of the time they're like, nope, I made my decision. That's that. And it's like, you have to be willing to be the bad guy a little bit. Yeah, I think the only time from what I heard with the Rangers, like Adrian Beltre was kind of known for talking himself into into a lineup. If even if he, he obviously you can't talk yourself if you're in, if you're on the IL, um, that's like a mandatory number of days. But there would be days where he'd be scratched because maybe the manager wasn't sure about it. But he he is kind of known for being able to like look put me in the lineup I can play because, but he's also known for playing through injuries and playing well and not really realizing that he has the injury and I think but you can't do that with a goalie I was gonna say I think goalie is like pitching where it's like if they don't have it you can't kind of hide it like if they're not if they're at like 90 percent even or 95 percent it could be catastrophe right and 
look, Bishop's kind of been known this year to kind of give up a goal on the first shot. It feels like almost any game he's in. He should have been on a way shorter leash that game. Two goals, you're, you're out, especially in how fast they happen. Now, if it was two goals over two periods, sure, keep them in. But two goals in like the first five minutes, you pull them. He clearly didn't have it. And you waited four goals. And the thing that kills me is that the only the only professional sports game I've gone to this year and am going to this year was a 5-1 loss against St. Louis Blues in February where Ben Bishop started and bonus waited until four goals to pull him. So that's where my mind flashed back to, so I got mad again. But even then, I would have pulled Bishop at three goals, and he was healthy then. So, like, how do you let him go? I, it just it, – that, that was the game that I was like, oh, we're not winning this series. I will say something you brought up with thinking about Ben Bishop. Mm-hmm. So because of the Corona thing, like there's no crowd shots or anything. So the only shots we get are GMs and like other personnel and injured or scratched players and their reactions to things like Matthew Kachuk was like, I know it was bad that the Flames were losing, but his like expressions were yeah. hilarious. Watching the Stars players watch the game was so fun. <laughs> I, Ben Bishop's reactions were, like, exactly me. I was like, oh, it's so fun to see an athlete have the exact same reaction as the fans. So that was, that was really cool. Um, so I guess it's rave time. And the thing I wanted to rave about was in the handshake line of Vegas, Vancouver, there was this really cool, really special moment because Robin Leonard kind of is a little bit of a trailblazer as far as being a current NHL player to disclose uh, mental illness diagnosis and a pretty severe one at that and um, kind of be really open about the fact that he's all of what he's going through and all of that and really kind of showing how taking care of yourself mentally can improve your life so much and like you said he's gotten talk calls from players and like he's really been a good ambassador in that regard um, but then kind of a, the, the second one to follow in his lead, Tyler Mott of the Vancouver Canucks, um, disclosed this season that he was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And he didn't have to go through the program or anything. He just, his girlfriend kind of persuaded him to go and get the diagnosis and everything. And they um, obviously met in the handshake line and had kind of a longer discussion. And it was just really cool to see two players who've had such an impact on the sport in a, in a different way and just on people in general uh, talk and share that moment. It, it was so cool. I loved that. I saw that and I really, that it, it struck me too. There were some great moments in that handshake line because then um, Alex Tuck and Thatcher Demko were mm-hmm. college roommates. So they had like a big hug. And then um, my favorite, if you ever like, kind of funny not like as serious as that one was Mark Stone was like the first one to reach Thatcher Demko his Mark Stone is kind of known to be pretty expressive like (laughs) Vegas titles things expressive Mark Stone like for his goal sellies and stuff (laughs) he had this thing of like just bewilderment when he got to to (laughs) Thatcher Demko like like you've just completely blown my mind like I have no clue what, what that is and so that was really cool and so yeah a lot of great moments those handshake lines are always great yeah um, my rave 
I have two because there were actually some fun moments in baseball this week. Um, and I retweeted both of them. So they're on my Twitter. Um, the first one was just like a funny moment um, during the Colorado Dodgers game on, I think it was Thursday, Friday. It was on Friday. Um, there was a drone that like appeared at the Dodgers stadium in the middle of uh, Kike Hernandez's interview with, um, like he was just in the dugout and he was talking with the Dodgers broadcast. And it's just a funny video because he notices the drone, obviously, and they're like, he, he like has a joke with them and just, he, <laughs> they're like, they're telling us to clear the field. So, and then he just starts screaming, I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe. And it was just funny because obviously the drone wasn't, wasn't like a malicious thing or anything, but obviously kind of a weird, a weird moment in 2020 baseball, um, but a funny one as well. So the other one I wanted to talk about was um, Hanser Alberto used to be a player for the Rangers and he's my absolute favorite. Um, he's one of those players that literally always smiles. If he's not smiling, there's something seriously wrong. He plays with Baltimore now and he is absolutely thriving with them. Like he, I think is fourth in batting average in the AL. And he's just doing amazing. So <laughs> the thing that uh, I came across this week was um, he got a walk against the Yankees pitcher Aroldis Chapman, who has had a long history of um, being a horrible human. Yes. So, Hanser Alberto got a walk, and he had a very small, but still a bat flip. And it, it I just, it made me love him even more because he bat flipped a walk against Aroldis Chapman. Like, it just, like, against any other pitcher, I don't think it would feel as, like, amazing. But the fact that it was him and then it was Hanser Alberto, who is the most, like, pure human joy, it, it was just a perfect moment, really. Yeah, that was... There's, there's been some good moments in baseball yeah. this week. So with that, I guess we'll see you all later. We will talk to you in the next episode. Have a good Labor Day, everyone, and see you later. Bye, guys.